discipleship for busy blokes. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome uh, Danny Easton uh, to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, Danny, really nice to have you on the show and I've been meaning to catch up with you for some time because we've got some great stuff to chat about tonight which I think blokes are going to really get a lot out of listening to. Uh, but would you just open up for us just to start with saying kind of who you are, what you do, a little bit about your family. Is that all right? Yeah, sure. My name's Danny Easton. I've uh, been coming to Birmingham City Church for uh, over 20 years now. I'm 51 years old. I'm an engineer. And so in my normal life, I'm designing car seats for Jaguar Land Rover and Ford and Nissan. Within the church, I'm one of the elders. Uh, I'm married to Paola. We've been married for 27 years in May. Um, she's one of the pastors here at BCC. And then I've got two kids. Well, I say kids. My son's 21. Um, he's always going to be my kid, but uh, he's a grown man now. He's, he's a, a young man now, isn't he? Yeah. He's doing an apprenticeship as a quantity surveyor. Um, and he's getting on well with that. He's enjoying that. Um, and then my daughter's sort of 13, going on 30. She's a very independent lady uh, in secondary school and doing quite well there. You are an engineer who designs car seats. Did I hear that right? So, yeah. like, do you literally kind of put all of the design aspects of that together and put that to companies, and then they kind of sign off on them and buy your products? Is that how well, it works? I, w- I work for a company. It's a, a global company. I work for a, a plant in Coventry, um, which is predominantly Jaguar Land Rover. They approach us and say, "We've got a new model that we want to bring out. Uh, we want this vehicle and we want this type of styling. How do we do it?" And then we then put together a design and propose that to them. And, and if they're happy with it and happy with the costs, then uh, we, we run a program which normally runs for about two and a half years um, of going through uh, design uh, of prototypes of testing uh, and then into productionizing and then producing the, the goods. So it's quite a long turnaround, isn't it? You know, you've once you've got the design kind of right and signed off by the customer, then there's a there's a fair bit of time before it hits the hits the car and sits inside the car. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm working on um, things now that it's sort of 2020, and I'm working on projects that are going to be released in 2023. Wow, that's so quite a long lead time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm guessing that's partly down to all the safety needs and all of those kinds of things. It it is, yeah, and it's yeah. Um, producing the parts. So once we've got the design right then we've got our approach suppliers all, all around the world and get them to produce tooling to manufacture the parts then we bring that into our company and assemble it. Did you get into engineering through school? What was your approach? To, how did you get into that? Um, so when I left school I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I was good at maths, I was good at sort of metal work then which I think has come on a bit now to uh, design and technology and I, I went into tool making um, so I got approached to do an apprenticeship as a tool maker and I spoke to my dad and said, um, what's a tool maker, dad? Do they make screwdrivers and hammers and things? And he said, no, 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 no. He says it's a bit more in-depth than that. It's uh, plastic moulding tools and, and things like that. So uh, he said, but it's a trade. It's working with your hands. It's a good job. It's a good skill to have. And, and he sort of said, go for that and encourage me in that. So I'd done an apprenticeship as a tool maker. And then I moved into computers. So as computers came into CAD, uh, computer-aided design, um, that was the new technology then. Um, so I moved into that, started working with that, and then the whole bottom dropped out of tool making. So uh, with globalised companies moving into Europe, moving into China, sure, yeah. uh, everything moved abroad. And it wasn't just a matter of finding a job, it was finding a, a new trade as it was. Um, so it was 
a bit of a hard time um, trying to sort of think of something different to do. But then again, God just stepped in and opened a door um, and led me into automotive. And it was a, a, a learning period um, because I'd always thought up until then that God gave me jobs, he gave me opportunities to go into work, but I worked at that job and I uh, trained myself and, and got trained and got the skills to do the job and I did it as me. And then God, obviously, the bottom dropped out of the market and so I had to move into a different job um, and I, an opportunity opened up where I moved into um, automotive, which was still to do with computers. But the, the manager that I worked for, he got a phone call from a company and said, could you send somebody over um, and basically just pick up a list of suppliers and chase in some parts? And I said, well, I can do that. It's not a problem. So I went to see this guy and he took me into an office and interviewed me. And he wanted me to build uh, two car sets of seats for a new program uh, because they'd been doing everything on computer and they got no physical parts around them. Uh, and then the customer hadn't got confidence right, in the yeah. way just to do that. Yeah. Um, so he introduced me to about 20 guys in an open plan office and said, right, I'll leave you to it, and walked away and left me there. And wow, um, so you got right thrown in the deep end then, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. So I'm one God. of those that I don't like to let people down. So yeah. I phoned up my manager and explained the situation, and he said he hadn't got anybody with that experience to be able to do that. So I said, well, look, I says, how about I just... Do my best. Give it a go. Yeah. 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 I says, maybe it will buy you a week's time to find somebody <laughs> before they realise, yeah. I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh -huh. And, they, and yeah. they'll kick me out and bring somebody else in who does know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so I was going in, like I so said, I don't like to let people down. So I'm trying to do as best job as I can yeah. with the, the little knowledge I had. And um, I come to the end of the week and I was very stressed out. You know, I, re I was really aware that I was letting people down in a sense because I was trying to do things but very ignorant to the way they worked and the systems. And and all along I was praying about it and saying, God, you know, help. <laughs> and uh, and I, I, I think it, it wasn't the first week, it was the second week. Um, I was leaving on the, the end of the week on the Friday, very stressed and, and concerned about it all. And as I walked out the company, the program manager who sort of heads up the team, he came up behind me and he, he patted me on the shoulder and he says, Dan, he says, you're doing a fantastic job. He says, it's really great to have you on the team. Just keep doing what you're doing. He says, fantastic, mate. That's incredible because you felt on the inside, you felt, I'm really not cut out for this. I'm, I'm in the deep end. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. you know, within a matter of days, they're going to kind of quotes find out and yeah. get rid of you and then actually they're saying no you're you're the man for the job kind of thing. well that time was a, like a realization for me because by the time i walked from the the door of the the program manager saying that um to get to my car i was basically in tears and uh, and I, I sat in the car and i was sort of in tears and i was laughing as well and and it was uh, i said to god i said god this has got to be you because I don't know what I'm doing, but they're thanking me for it. Uh, it just seems so strange, that scenario. Um, and it was almost like God was teaching me that I give you the, the, the opportunities, but also I give you the skills, I give you the ability to learn. I that, give you the- That's great, yeah. You know, I'm doing it, it's me, it's not you. And that, that's really helpful to hear because I think some guys are so shy of taking any risks that they don't really have a go and you know, step out of the boat. 
Have you got any advice for blokes that are listening that would go, do you know what, I'd, I'd really like to try something new, but I, I just, I, I, can't, I can't envisage taking a risk. I mean, what, yeah. what would you say to a bloke that, that's in that position right now, maybe just a little bit before your escapade, as it were, that you then found that God came through for you? Any, any advice or hints? Pray. <laughs> I, I yeah. think um, in everything, God's got a plan for our lives. Yeah. And staying put is not always, it might be the more comfortable thing to do, but it might not be the right thing to do. And it's understanding where you should be and what you should be doing. And I think sort of praying about it and asking God to lead. And, and I've found that, you know, sometimes when God talks, he, he says one word and it's almost like he's spoken volumes. Mm-hmm. Um, but other times he doesn't really sort of say a lot and you're, you're left in that sort of grey area of what do I do, what do I do? And I, I think that's the time when you've got to just dig in and say, okay, God, what what's your plan? What do you want me to do? How do I trust you? Trusting yeah. God to sort of come through and, and lead you in that. And I tend to pray, God, I don't know what, what I should be doing. This opportunity's come up. If it's the right thing to do, then open up that opportunity. Open yeah, up sure. that door and yeah. help me to go through it. Yeah. Um, but if it's not the right thing, then close it down. Because it might be a good idea, Yeah. but is it a God idea? I know it's a bit of a cliche, but... You know, some things look very attractive, and and people can think. But oh, if you're not in it, God, then then they don't want to do it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I, I always think that God, if it might seem a good idea to me, but if it's not your plan, then just close it. So it's pray and take the risk. Trust God in the risk. Ask God to keep the door open. Exactly. And that you're still walking through it, and you know, and then suddenly a few weeks have gone by, and you find that you're getting praise from your customer. I mean, that's a great combination, isn't it? Really. Yeah. If you'd have seen me at the time, I was a, a, a nervous wreck. You know, yeah. <laughs> you still have to walk through it. And, yeah. And I think at the time it was it was praying that it was it's very like, God, I know that you're teaching me through this, and I know that you're bringing me through it, but I've still got to go through it. So help. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. It's it's that dependency, but it it did build trust, and then later on there was sort of a lot of redundancies and going on. And uh, one of the guys said to me, I was working, doing some, some things, and they was all talking in a group. And one of the guys come up to me and he said, uh, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm getting on with my job. And he says, oh, we're all worried about losing our jobs. We can't even focus on doing work. We might be out of a job tomorrow. And the guy knew I was a Christian. I don't talk at about Christian stuff a lot at work if, they, if people ask me a question I'll answer it but you sure. know, I get on with my job sort of thing but I said to him I said well it's not really up to, to me if I'm here or not because and, and he looked at me as if to say oh alright okay you know <laughs> it's the God thing but it is the God thing you yeah. know if God yeah. wants me at a place I'll be there as long as he wants me to be um, and it's not down to any person to, to sort of change that and yeah. if God wants me somewhere else, then he'll, he'll move me somewhere else. So I've got a bit more confidence over that experience yeah. that, um, you know, once you've gone through that once, then the next time becomes a bit easier. Cause it's interesting having that different perspective of actually, if, like you say, if God wants me there, really what's going on that I can see humanly in front of me becomes less relevant. I mean, it's important, but it's not your yeah. main cue, is it? The main cue you're getting about the situation is from God and whether he wants you there or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can understand the confidence that comes from that, and that's a very appe- that's a very appealing story. Right. It takes a lot of pressure off you because you sure. don't yeah. you you realise that it's not you. You know, okay, you you do your best, you you work, and, and you get on with the job, yeah. but 
you realise that God's God's providing for us, God's making a way for us, God's got a plan for us. Um, Very good. And that, that's quite exciting then, because that pressure's lifted off. Uh, great story, Dan. Uh, thanks for sharing that with us. This is discipleship for busy blow, busy blokes, busy blokes. Something I wanted to ask you about, and, and one of the reasons I wanted to uh, chat to you on the podcast, was that um, a few years back you unfortunately had a bit of a bad motorcycle accident didn't you yeah just yeah. give us a heads up on how did that all happen and, and you know, just talk us through what what was the accident and what was the aftermath and sure sure so i was involved with the men's ministry at bcc so we would organize different events throughout the year just focusing on the guys and getting them to do a bit more social work and, and get to build relationships and things yeah and we'd organized a, a, a men's weekend away so it was a long weekend I'd had a motorbike, I've, I always wanted a motorbike. Um, before I got married, I'd passed my motorbike test. I wanted to go touring around the world. And and, um, and then when I got married, I used all my money on the house. And uh, then we had kids and there was never a good time to have one. So it just got put on the back burner for years and years. Uh, and then an opportunity came up and, and I spoke to my wife and said, look, I really would like this motorbike. And she said, you know, you wanted one for years, you, you get yourself one. So I had a motorbike. Um, it was just a, a Suzuki 650 sports bike, um, but it was great. Loved it. Loved going out. I used to get up in the mornings, sort of Saturday morning, about three, four o'clock in the morning and go out over Wales and, and the country roads and no one was around just drive and, and just love it, really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, have a bacon sandwich somewhere and then drive back and then get another day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, it came with this uh, this weekend away um, and one of the friends who came to church, he got my bike as well and uh, and he says, I'll tell you what, let's go on our motorbikes to the men's weekend away. Uh, so we've got a plan uh, and then the week before he phoned me up and he says, oh, I've got some bad news. He says, my motorbike's broken down. I don't think we can we can go. So uh, I said, that's fine. I said, I'll just go in the car and, and I'll meet you there sort of thing. Um, and it was a bit of a shame because we, we sort of built ourselves up. It was like yeah. road, road trip, you know. Road trip, yeah. 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 So uh, stuff, yeah. so come to, come to the Friday, uh, which was the, the day when we was going to meet up in the evening. Uh, I went to work. I'd taken me, me overnight bag with me. And a couple of hours into work, I got a phone call from Dan, the guy who was uh, my motorbike another Dan. buddy. Yeah. Yeah, another yeah. Dan. And he said, I've been able to fix my bike, got it all sorted, let's go on the bikes. So it was sort of last minute, yeah. okay, I'll go back home, get me leathers on, get me bike, meet you at church, and then we'll go from church. So that's what we did. Uh, we set off, and, and it was great. We was going through Birmingham, which, I mean, it's a busy city, so cutting through traffic. Um, it wasn't pleasant, but we was looking forward to the open roads and the country roads. And I sort of have a a memory up to a set of traffic lights that I remember turning green and we went across. And then I don't remember a lot after that. Um, since my bike accident, I've pieced together a few things. And, and I think what happened was we went off into the country roads. Yeah. Danny was with me, knew the road, so I was following him. But it, I'd not been in that area before, so I didn't really know the roads too well. We'd come on an area where it was a, a long straight and Dan just took off. I'd sort of held back a bit, but then I thought, well, actually, if I don't keep with him, I'm going to lose him, and then I don't know where I am, so yeah. I need to sort of speed up a little bit. Sped up, where the straight was, it bent slightly to the left, and just as I went to the left, I saw the Chevron arrows, and there was a, a right-hand turn, or a left-hand turn, 
a really sharp 90 degree and I knew that I just weren't going to make it. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was almost like pick a spot and, and off you and go. off you go. Go on. Um, yeah. So came off the bike. I, I, like I said, I don't really remember too much about it. Ended up in a field. Dan had just made the bend. He, he took sort of taken off and then realised at the last minute where he was and that this bend was there. Yeah. Uh, and he said he just made it by the skin of his teeth. Um, and as he straightened up, he looked in his mirror to see if I'd made the bend and saw me flying through the air oh, and wow. thought, no way, what's going on here? So that's how it sort of happened. Um, there was a car coming in the other direction. Uh, the guy who was driving the car, his wife was a paramedic and she was working that day in that area. Right. So he got straight on the phone, called 999 and got his wife to, to come in the ambulance. Yeah. My friend Dan had come back to find me and he said that he was looking where my motorbike was and looking in the field over the fence and he couldn't find me and he was running back and forth trying to track me down. He said, and I heard a voice and, and he said, well, I was a couple of hundred yards up in this field somewhere. Really? Wow. Yeah. So I'd, You'd I'd, really travelled a long I'd way. I'd travelled a bit. And yeah, uh, wow. He said, I'd taken out a, a branch of a tree um, on my way through. Um, wow. So the farmer came down with his wife, apparently. Like I said, I don't really remember it. The ambulance was on the scene within 15 minutes Yeah. Um, and they called the air ambulance and they flew me into the, the hospital at Coventry, wow. uh, which I, I don't remember uh, flying in the helicopter at all. It wasn't until uh, Dan showed me some photographs afterwards uh, of me being but you put on a stretcher. Even. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, I'd got no recollection. All I remember is just opening my eyes and seeing some ceiling tiles and thinking, where, where on earth am I? That must have been a very strange experience, just in itself, of having that like period of time where, you know, one minute you're crossing a junction with your mate, you know, on your, on your bikes together, and there's little bits after that, and then you're waking up, you know, I guess with you know with white neon lights and, a, and ceiling tiles, and thinking, what's this? Yeah. You know, have I died? What's going on? You know, I mean, what were your first thoughts? I mean, what was that? Well, it was it was strange because I thought my head was clear. I opened my eyes looked up and, and saw I was in a, a room of sorts and I looked down and I saw my wife, my, my mother and father-in-law was there and my pastor Mark was there yeah. um, and they was sort of saying, oh, how are you doing, how are you feeling? I said, oh, I said, uh, where am I? And they said, in the hospital. Um, I said, okay, why am I here? They said, I had a motorbike accident. I said, okay. Um, I said, how are the kids? Because my kids weren't there. Yeah. And they said, they're fine, they're being looked after. How's my motorbike? And they said, oh, it's written off. And I, oh, no. And then I sort of said, oh, my shoulder's really hurting because um, I've actually broken my collarbone and ribs and things. Yeah. Um, and to me, I'd only asked those questions once. Um, what had really happened is um, I'd knocked my head, I'd cracked my helmet, um, I'd had some bleeding on the brain and I was concussed. And um, and I was actually asking those same questions over and over and over oh, again. That's, that's disturbing, isn't it, for people because yeah. they know that you're not remembering. You know, you're not picking up and and you know establishing that and then moving on. But, yeah. And you get that amnesia. That's very disturbing for mm. people, isn't it? Well, very disturbing for my wife because she she came in and was quite pleased to sort of see me sitting there. Yeah. Um, but then when I started, they they had warned her that I was very repetitive, and they did say to her with the accident that I'd had this would be expected um, yeah but yeah i think seeing that in reality um, it's an odd experience i remember one time playing five aside and, and uh, i caught i just tripped and fell backwards against a wooden door in this indoor five aside court and i 
lost my memory for about three or four hours. And I remember wow. nothing on the scale of what happened to you, but the, the weirdness of that and how it slowly unraveled itself and became normal again was odd, I have to say. You know, it's a very strange experience, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. And then to be told by someone else, you've just said that again, and, I, and you're going, well, no, I haven't. You know, well, I don't remember that. You know, that's yeah. very odd. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, you, you were in the hospital and they were telling you what, you know, what was going on and you were asking over and over again. Yeah. When, yeah. When, when came the time when it started to, you started to understand and believe what was being said and not ask again? How, did, how long did that take? Well, um, the, the visiting times are restricted. Um, yeah. And so the, my family and my wife had to go and leave. And she was uh, very concerned because she could see that I was still confused. But obviously she had to go. So they, they left and I, I fell asleep. And then I woke up in the middle of the night and, and sort of looked around and thought, okay, and started piecing it together. Then. Okay. I'm in the hospital. I've had a motorbike accident. I've broken. And you were thinking these things for yourself. Now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you were starting sort of to pull it, back it together. together. Yeah. Okay. But then, as I was figuring it out, the curtains came back, and this guy walked in, and he says, "I'm your neurosurgeon," um, and I'm looking at him, thinking, "I've never seen him before in my life." <laughs> And, uh, and he got these scans, and he says, we've been reviewing your scans. He said, I've got some good news. The bleeding on your brain um, is actually a set of microbleeds, they called it. Right. Uh, which meant that my brain hadn't s- been swelling Run to a point where it yeah. was dangerous, mm-hmm. and they didn't have to operate. So that was, that was impressive. That, that was good, um, yeah. And, and the backstory of this was, when, when I'd had the accident, uh, Danny was with me. He phoned my wife and said, look, we've had an accident. Danny's being taken into the hospital in Coventry. Yeah. Uh, you need to come. So my wife's sort of obviously upset. Uh, she was out shopping at the time with my daughter. Um, so they just left everything, ran out of the shop, jumped in the car. Yeah. And um, and as she drove out the spot, off she's she's in a panic, in a rush. Um, a car bibbed her, and my daughter had said, "Mum, you need to slow down. You need to just." get yourself together because we don't want two people in the hospital sort of thing yeah and it, it was strange it was almost like a, a moment of actually yeah I need to just get this in perspective and, and I've got to drive all the way over to Coventry so yeah Paola came over to see us um, one of her friends had commented in, on Facebook um, and Paola had said uh, with the situation with Danny and then she'd started asking what the situation was so Paola felt that she needed to put a, a comment there because a lot of our friends would have been thinking what's going on. Yeah. So she actually put a comment on Facebook to say, Danny's had a motorbike accident. Um, it's not life-threatening, but he is very badly injured. Um, can you pray? Yeah. And it was just incredible, the, um, the amount of prayer and people saying we're praying right now. Uh, and it went almost around the world. We've got people from America, we've got people from the Philippines, from Australia, from Italy, um, just and, and parts of Africa. Everybody was just coming back saying, we, we, I've been to a prayer meeting and we've been praying for Danny. Yeah. Uh, and all this prayer was going on all over the place, uh, which was just incredible. But um, that was when the neurosurgeon came in and said, we've got some good news about it. Right. Um, and then the following day, uh, the nurse came in and she started questioning me and she says uh, it's quite remarkable she says with the accident you've had and the the situation that you've been in normally we wouldn't expect you to be as clear in your mind 
um, as you are now yeah. uh, over a period of about 48 hours and it had only been about 12 hours. Even then things seemed to be accelerated and was working really well. What else happened to your body? I mean, you, you, you had the potential of these bleeds on your brain, which turned yeah. out not to be as bad as, as, as they first thought, which was yeah. fantastic to hear that news from the neurosurgeon. But you said you broke your collarbone and some ribs. Was there yeah. anything else that you So broke? I broke my collarbone, yeah. um, but they said that the position that it was in, they didn't have to operate on it and pin it. It would heal as it, it is. Itself. Yeah. Uh, I broke uh, ribs, um, so that was really sore. But because it was ribs... They said, we, we used to bind people up, but we don't anymore. Yeah. So we just make sure that there's not, nothing going to punch your lungs or anything, but you're okay. Yeah. Um, on my right leg, I broke my fibula bone. Um, is that the large one or one of the smaller no, ones? No, the down? small one. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's your That's tibia. The is that a large one? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, um, so I broke that and they said, it's because you, you've probably twisted your foot and, and broke that. And down the inside of my leg, I had a big cut. And so because of that, they couldn't plaster up my legs. So they sort of gave me a boot and said, you know, that's as good as, as it is. Okay. And yeah. then, um, but my left foot, the, um, sounds a bit gruesome actually, the, the footrest of my motorbike went through my big toe. Oh. Um, so I had an open gosh. fracture in my foot, oh. which they had to operate on um, to tidy that up sort of thing. Oh, that um, sounds very painful, Dad. Yeah, it wasn't very nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so I sort of I'd had the accident on the Friday yeah. uh, into hospital. They operated on the Saturday. Yeah. Um, like I say, there was loads of people praying, um, and and every time the doctor or the consultants or even the nurses came up, they'd always be commenting saying, "Wow, it's quite remarkable that you you're doing this. You're able to sit, do this." Yeah. Um, by the Sunday, they they got me walking. I'd, I'd got a a crutch, I'd got a sling, I'd got a boot, I'd got bandages. <laughs> so I was well strapped up, but uh, they says, you, you're good to go home. They yeah, says, well, so on, from the accident on a Friday afternoon, yeah. you were then effectively discharged 48 hours later on the Sunday oh, afternoon. Yeah. That's incredible for yeah. an accident of that nature. Exactly. And to have travelled that far up the field and, you know, oh, yeah. I'm guessing the bike must have kind of pinched your foot to have, for, the, for the rest to have gone, you know, to, gone through your toe like that. Well, I think I'd hit the kerb. Oh, okay. uh, and it had spun the bike up uh, okay. in the air, and the force of that coming up um, oh, okay. had thrown me as well. Yeah. Um, but the the motorbike, obviously, they they'd taken the bike and put it in a, a pound, um, and I'd sort of said to my wife, "Oh, I wouldn't mind just going to check on it, see what kind of condition it's in, because I might be able to get it back and to tidy up." <laughs> um, <laughs> so I phoned the guy up, and uh, we went over to see see the bike yeah. and um, when I walked in he said I'm really surprised to see you here he says because we get bikes in that are hardly scratched and the guys are not around anymore yeah he says and your bike is absolutely mashed up he wow. says and, uh, yeah. and, and you come walking in here he says obviously you're, you're you know injured but uh, yeah you're very lucky he said yeah um, and we went and saw the bike and it was sort of yeah don't even bother going there to uh, try and build it back together. It's just, forget it. It's, yeah, it's it a really is a write-off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Discipleship for busy blokes. And you were saying to me, um, you know, before before we started the podcast, you were saying to me, just chatting about this, um, that you'd had a then had a period of time at home. And, you know, it's really clear to me that so many people pray for you during the crunch time of your recovery and getting you through that time in the hospital and, and kind of seeing you through peak pressure time of your like restoration in a sense and it was amazing yeah. what God seems to have done for you in that time yeah. talk to me a little bit about 
you mentioned you had a three-month period at home and you felt like God kind of reshaping you in different ways that maybe you didn't expect. Just tell us a, a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, with, with bones, they, they take a period of time for healing. Um, and I was expecting the doctors to say, oh, couple of weeks and you'll be back to work um, but they turned around and said no no it's, it's going to be three months and, and you need to you know understand that and I, even then I, I was adamant a couple of weeks I'll be back uh, but it wasn't it was three months and it was a hard three months that period because it was so long I'd, I'd never been out of work that long I'd never been sitting around at home so yeah. it was a strange place to be slightly bizarre feeling I guess big yeah. time and then my wife would sort of help me to get up and, and give us a wash in the morning and get some food ready and then she'd go off to work and then I'd just fall asleep because my body was just using all the energy to yeah, heal itself. Yeah. But I think at that time, it, psychologically, it was, it was a hard time because you sort of go through life feeling as though you're bulletproof, feeling as though these kind of things happen to everybody else but for some reason you're protected against it. Um, yeah. And that... I think was my mentality until it happens and then it sort of knocks you back to think well actually I'm I'm human I'm just the same as everybody I'm, else I'm vulnerable yeah. yeah 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 and I think that vulnerability really knocked me yeah um, as I think as a as a guy you just feel as though you can rise above it all and you can fix all the problems and you're there to take care of the family and take care of others. And uh, and then when it's you that can't do anything, it just makes you feel like you say vulnerable. It just takes all your confidence. And I think then it was the time when I was praying and saying to God, you know, this is this is how I feel, being really honest. Yeah. But feeling that God was saying, well, I've always understood your vulnerabilities. I, I know you are better than you know yourself, but I've, I've got you. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I came to that sort of more understanding of that, it was more of a, a deeper trust in God to say... It's interesting you say that. It, it sounds to me as though it's almost as though before the accident, you, you had not an arrogance, I'm not saying that, but you had self-confidence the, and, and a yeah. sense of things are going to be okay. Yeah. But then you, your accident put you in a place of, well, that's not, that's not what's happened to me. And, and it's almost as though you transitioned to maybe a bit more God confidence or a bit more reliance on him. Is that fair to say that? From what you're saying, it sounds a little bit like that transition took place. Yeah, I think it was, it was like altering my perspective on things. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas you sort of look at yourself and you think, I'll do it. I'll get mm-hmm. it done. I'll take care of this. That's I'll a very that. bloke thing to do, isn't it? I think all. I mean, I we know I'm totally it, guilty of that, and I'm. am sure so many of the people, so many of the guys listening to this, will go, "Yeah, it's up to me. I've got to make this. I've got to make stuff happen. I've got to put bread on the table. I'm. I'm the guy." Yeah. And then you're sitting there then, with the three months of not really being able to do that. That's the thing. I wasn't yeah. able to do hardly anything. Um, could hardly yeah. move. Um, totally restricted in sort of the normal getting on with life and getting on with work and everything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. So had had a lot of time to think about things. But yeah, uh, like I say, really not the confidence. Um, and then it wasn't then, or it was then that I started looking at things in a different perspective. And it was, I felt as though God was sort of, it was a bit of a journey yeah. um, that he was teaching me to sort of say, well, you know, I've got, yeah, uh, you need to trust me. And, and come into that deeper trust. Similarly to, to work, um, where it was, I was thinking, I, I've got the skills, I develop, you know, I do the training and I develop the skills and I do it. When God put me into a job that I got no skill to do, 
I got no understanding of how the job worked. Yeah. But then he took me through step by step, and and now I'm in that profession, and I've been doing that for 15, 16, 17 years. Yeah. Um, and and it was sort of God just saying, trust me, like you said, step out the boat. Um, uh-huh. And it, it's not comfortable, but it's. So in a it's sense, that, what you've said tonight is a little bit like a stepping out of the boat situation in both cases, really, isn't it? You've probably chosen the work one a little bit more. And, and this accident's kind of being forced on you or just come out of the blue, but it, it sounds to me like you've God's taken you out of the boat in both, you know, in different ways on both occasions, really, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I think it's that lessons, you know, it's the experience that, that came about, but then God sort of used that to teach me some very valuable lessons that has been by far beneficial because my relationship with God now is so much closer than it was yeah. before. Um, it's just... Yeah, phenomenal. Were there any kind of key passages or thoughts or things that God said to you in that time, or you know, where 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 was there? Can you point to any particular progress points where you went aha? You know, was there an aha moment? Well, it was it was funny because um, when I'm driving to work in the morning, I've got about an hour commute down the M6, so I'm just queuing in traffic. Um, I, I guess you've got the M25 and then you've got the M6. Nightmares, <laughs> but you can't get away from it. And so what I tend to do is that's sort of my quiet time. I get up in the morning, get ready. And then when I'm driving to work, I'm praying um, and just talking to God and, and trying to sing to worship songs, which are not very good, but, you know, they're just me. I'm going to go. go. Yeah. <laughs> so, just you in the car. You know, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, when I'm praying about things and, and I sort of said to God, okay, I know you've got a plan for my life, but what do you want me to do? And I'd always got these thoughts in my head of, okay, God, do you want me to become a pastor or do you want me to, you know, do something amazing for you? I'd got in my head that I want to know what God's plan is for my life. So I'd, I'd drive to work and pray about my family and all that kind of thing. But I said to God, I says, God, I'm not going to pray about anything else. I just want to pray until you tell me what you want me to do, what your plan is for my life. So I'd get up every morning, drive to work, and I'd be saying, good morning, God. It's a great day. Thank you for it. Now, what's your plan for me? What do you want me to do? Is it just a matter of putting chairs out in a meeting and doing the, you know, the mundane stuff? Or do you want me to take over the world for you and all this? And, and my mindset at the time was, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do yeah, it. Yeah. But I just wanted to know what it was. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'd, I didn't hear anything. So the next day, I'd get up, drive to work. God. I really want you to tell me whatever it is and and just seeking God seeking God seeking God after about three weeks I was driving to work and I wasn't expecting an answer then and, and just so that I understand this this is after your accident this, you're yeah. back up you're kind of back to work and you know you've yeah. kind of so got, getting got back and everything life yeah. And, yeah. and healed up there yeah. and, and mm. back into the you know the rat race of, of work, work again yeah. But my relationship had changed because of the experiences that I'd had. Yeah. Um, and so I felt closer to God and I thought, okay, God, I'll, I'll, you know, whatever your plan is for my life that I want that. So like I say, over a period of about three weeks, every day I'd be saying, God, God, what do you want me to do? What, anything you want me to do, I'll do it. On the third week, I think it was about the Thursday, I was driving to work and like I say, by then it was just almost like routine, just saying, God, tell me what you want me to do. And not really expecting him to say anything. And uh, and all of a sudden, I heard God say in my head, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> yeah, that was my response. <laughs> I sort of, I started getting teary because I thought, wow, God's spoken to me. 
But then I was laughing, thinking, I didn't expect that answer at all. You know, where did that come from? And, uh, and I sort of said, God, you, you can't say that. And, yeah. and it was sort of quiet. And then I said, well, why won't you tell me? And he says, because you'll try and do it in your own strength and you'll mess it up. And when he said it, I laughed because I, I thought, God, and I actually said, God, you know me so well. Yeah. Because I would, I would try and do it myself. Yeah. And I didn't feel condemned or rejected. I didn't feel like God was saying, you're, you're no good because you'll mess it up. What I've seen when God does stuff is all the bits of the jigsaw, all the bits of the problems and stuff, all tend to fit together and all come together. And I've seen that so many times and just been amazed by it that yeah. when God does stuff, he does a complete work. You know, he doesn't leave some stuff undone. Um, and so when he said that, I thought, I know what you're saying, God, because those stuff I wouldn't even think about. But you took, you would take care of it. So he said to me, I'm not going to tell you what my plan is for your life because you're going to mess it up. And um, so I'm laughing and, and just chuffed that God's actually spoken to me, although what he said was not expected. Yeah. So then I said, well, could you just show me a little bit? <laughs> and, and it was dead silence as if yeah. God was saying, yeah, yeah. you're messing yeah. up and all. So I thought about it and mulled it over. And the next day I was, I was driving to work and I said, okay, God, you're not going to tell me what the bigger picture is, but what am I supposed to do? And he said to me, he says, I want you to be in the place where you, you hear my voice and do what I tell you to do. And my initial reaction was, well, that's easy. I could do that. You know, just being obedient to what he tells me to do. Um, but before I responded, it was almost like there was a little correction in the back of my head to think, hang on a bit. I've got to be in a place where I can hear God. Yeah, and, that, and that's a big thing, isn't it? And that's it is a, big a big thing. thing. You know, having that right heart and spirit so that you can hear yeah. what he said. Yeah, and, yeah. and even though God just said like a couple of sentences, it was almost like, actually, it's the bigger picture. And that's very interesting because um, you'd think that when someone gives you a plan, that they give you kind of the whole plan so that they've got you on side to then do everything you can to achieve that plan. But what it seems, it sounds like God has done to you, and I think he does this with a lot of us as well, is he gives you the bits of the plan you need at the time you need them, but no more yeah. to stop us from messing up, like you say. Yeah, yeah. Cause Very I interesting to hear that. It's so easy to, to do, do it the way we think yeah. and, and not be reliant on God to, to direct us sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the way he was working with me to say, you know, I want you to be reliant on me. I want you to be, you know, in Proverbs, he says, you know, acknowledge me in, in all your ways and I'll direct your path. And it was like that, that God was saying, um, I want that relationship. I want you to be talking to me and, and asking me and understanding when I want you to do something to, to do it. So I, I kind of get the feel from some of the things you said or the way that, you know, the, the conversations played out. It's almost as though God said, well, kind of, I'm, I'm the plan. You know, have the connection with me and that's enough. Exactly. Which is quite a, that's quite a deep thing, actually. You know, because I, I, I mean, if I think of, you know, think of maybe Moses leading the people of Israel out of, you know, the, out of slavery and towards the promised land. And he doesn't make it, but in a sense, he does make it because it's God that he's driving towards. It's not a place. It's a, it's a relationship, isn't it? That's the thing. And in a sense, I, my sense from what you said tonight, and I, you know, I'm not sort of trying to structure this in any particular way. I'm just responding to what you're saying, but it sounds as though God said to you, really, the plan is me, uh, which is really great. I mean, that's a, yeah. And that's a big thing for blokes to hear because I think blokes think it's all about doing and achieving. Mm -hmm. And 
And actually, it's it's being first, isn't it? Yeah. And being yeah. connected to God. And I, I think as blokes, like you say, we want to be, we want to do, but relationship-wise, we can be quite hard to that. And, yeah, that's, and, that's and, a difficult thing for know, us to crack, isn't I'm it? An, yeah. I'm an island kind of thing. Oh, yeah, um, totally. You yeah. Know, um, and, I, and I think I've been there. I've, I've, I've experienced that. But God sort of cracked the shell and opened us up to... to you know, a different experience, which is much, much better and so vast. Yeah. Um, and, and carrying on from that, that when God did say to me, you know, I want to be in that place where you can hear my voice and, and do what I tell you to do. I said, okay, God, I, I understand what you're saying and I want that. Yeah. Um, but what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to be the best dad you can be. And I want you to be the best husband you can be. And I want you to be the best engineer you can be. And I want you to be the best elder in the church you can be. And it was almost like God was saying, you're right in the centre of the plan that I've got for your life. I thought that I was living my life trying to find God's plan, but it wasn't. It was like I was right in the middle of God's plan and God's will, and he just wanted me to continue walking in that. Yeah. Um, and that was a real eye-opener to me as well, because it's almost like you, God can seem so far away and and his plans yeah. and his ideas can be so far away and you don't realise that he's with you uh, and he's walking day by day. And that's quite that good, path. that's going to be powerful for some blokes listening because I think there's this sense that God's far off yeah. and that they've got to do a load of things to get near him. Yeah. But really your experience is that God's right with you already he's done it and all. it's simpler than you think it is because you're already walking in the way that he wants you to walk and you're just listening to him. It's not yeah. like such a great journey after all. No, it, it isn't. But it is. It's it's such a simple thing. It's trusting God. Yeah. You know, trusting and letting go. But trusting Him and letting go is such a big thing. It is thing. a big thing. Yeah. yeah it's it, both simple it's, and hard, isn't it? Yeah. And, it, and yeah. for myself, it's come a, a big journey to yeah. get there. Uh, but now I've got there and I look back and I think, oh, it's such a simple thing. Um, but yeah, it it's been... Uh, transported through different situations to mm-hmm. come to that realization, and and like we said before, it's, it's all in your perspective. You can, you know, your culture, your family, your, your work situations, they tend to sort of direct the way we think about things and the way we respond to things. And God's ways are different, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's understanding that and getting that perspective on things. Um, but like I say, being in both camps, God's camp's better. it's so so great to hear your story and your testimony Dan and to talk about you know and to well hear you talk about all the different things you've been through and where God's brought you to Um, just such a pleasure to you know chat to you and hear hear that all of you know I've been really blessed and I I think a lot of the guys going to listen to this going to be really really blessed as well would you be very kind and do us a favour and and pray for the guys listening as we finish Father Thank you for this opportunity, and I pray that what's been said tonight will speak into people's lives. I pray for the guys listening that, Lord, you'll you'll meet them where they're at, and that you'll be real to them, and that you'll teach them to to know more about you, uh, and to understand that they can trust you in everyday life and in everyday situations. I pray, Lord, that you'll be more real to them, and that you'll bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.